Thanks. Colossians 3 is where you want to be. And uh, I do want to let you know that next weekend, uh, I'm excited to do this with you. We're going to do what's called the State of the Church Address, where we talk about what's happened this last year, how we're doing, and, and some vision about where we're headed in the future. So I encourage you to be here. I think it's going to be a good time. But what I want to let you know is uh, uh, I walked up to Pam last night and I said to her, hey, tomorrow's the last sermon in Tapestry. And she actually went, oh. And I said, well, you know, we got a great series coming. And she goes, but I've loved this one so much. But this is the culminating time we're going to talk. And if you haven't been with this, I think you'll still get a lot out of this. Since September, we have been studying what it means to literally let God interweave his love in our life in a meaningful way. And uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans of good and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. And the Lord says, I, 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 the word plans is a Hebrew word. I know what I want to interweave into your life. And I want you to grab a hold of that. God loves you and cares about you. And he also wants to interweave into your life in amazing ways. And you're going to find moments in your life that just really hit. A lot of us find those milestone moments and we stop and do some evaluating. Um, I'm coming up on my 52nd birthday. Uh, and that's made me do a lot of evaluation about who I am and where I'm going. I don't know if you heard about the guy, though, that turned 104. And uh, the whole town threw him a party. A reporter went and interviewed him. And he said, what's the best thing about being 104? And the guy said, that's easy. No peer pressure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A friend of mine, Jeff Walling, was in Kentucky uh, speaking at a conference in a huge Hilton hotel. And uh, he, he had uh, decided just to kind of walk around and observe and watch people and, and, and just uh, kill some time before it would be time for him to speak. He was walking along and, and he noticed a sign that, that had the events of what was occurring in the hotel. And, and it said uh, the name of a couple and it said 65th wedding anniversary. 65 years being married. And he noticed people flowing in and out, and, and he was so curious that he thought, I want to get a look at this couple. And, and so he kind of made his way into this big room they had rented, and it was packed with people, hundreds and hundreds of people there. And so he, he, he started kind of going around. Well, there was so much laughter and so much excitement. He just kind of got caught up in it. I mean, they were walked up and offered him hors d'oeuvres. He thought, okay, so now he's crashing the party. But then came that moment where they got everybody's attention and they named the name of the couple and they said that's why we're here is to celebrate your marriage and who you are and everybody cheered and then they had their children stand and they had quite a few kids they all stood then they had their grandchildren stand there were an incredible number of them great grandchildren and, and everyone's cheering for what the 65 years has meant this couple that you know is in their 80s for sure maybe 90s and, and then they had a time where they had them dance and they had a live band, and the band began to play, and this man and woman walked out there, and Jeff said he took a look at them, and he thought he could see how much they loved each other. And for their age, they were actually moving pretty good, and they're dancing elegantly around the floor, and people are going, oh, it was just emotional. And just as the song starts to fade to an end, all of a sudden, the drums start going, bum, bum, and then the band kicks into this incredible rock number, and it was all planned. The man and wife had planned it for their kids. They step back, and they start going at it, and, and everyone's laughing and cheering and screaming, and, and then this great-grandfather yelled, everybody join us, and the dance floor filled with family and friends just rocking out together, and Jeff saw this and thought, what a fun group. 
Well, it became time for him to get ready to speak, so he dashed to the elevator and went up to his room, grabbed his Bible, and came down. Well, when he hit the third floor on his way down to the second, the elevator door opens, and he hears someone yell, that one's open. And a bunch of the people that he recognized from the 65th wedding anniversary celebration pack into the elevator. They're laughing and talking and giggling and, 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 and just still going crazy. And Jeff's standing there watching. And then one of them sees it. They spot his Bible. And, and he sees them start motioning to the others and they see it. And it gets quiet. And so they go down to the second floor and the door opens and Jeff walks off and he sees them watching him and as soon as they, they think he's out of sight, they start laughing again and talking and the door shut and it starts going up to the room they were headed to. And Jeff asked a question I want you to ask too. When did this ever become the damper on joy in the life of the party? When did this ever become the killjoy kind of effect to life and love and passion? Why, why, how did this happen? Because it's, it, the Bible, when it's clearly understood, is anything but that. This ought to be what takes us to that new realm of joy. This ought to be what takes us to life and life abundantly. This ought to take us to laughter and love and excitement and celebration. Uh, uh, it, this ought to take us to a way of living that's incredible. And somehow, some way, somebody's hijacked the truth of Scripture and the truth of God's message to you and me and what life is to be about and, and, and allowed it to be turned into something that is anything but what God wants. It, we should be rejoicing more. We should be loving deeper. We should be thrilled with the prospect of, of living life with God. That's what God wants to do when he says, I know the plans I have for you, the Lord says, plans of good and not of evil, to give you future, to give you hope. He later on talks about joy, peace, a, a passion for living. I don't think it was any accident at all that God, on purpose, created a word. And there's a word that, that men started espousing, but it's a very interesting word. It's the word en enthusiasm. And the word enthusiasm comes from a Greek word, entheos, which E-N means in, and theos means God. It means in God. To be truly enthusiastic, then, is to live a life with God and to be in God. And that's what I want you to grab hold of today. That's God's great desire for you. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, and follow along with me. Therefore, I'm not going to stop and tell you what therefore is therefore. Uh, in chapter 2, Paul says this. He said, all of you who've gotten caught up in a life of do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, he said, you've missed it. That is not what the life in Christ is all about. He goes, that has an appearance uh, of, of wisdom. It has an appearance uh, of something that brings holiness. It says, but it's of no value at all against the flesh. Man-made rules. Uh, the legalistic type attitude, it kills. It doesn't cause life. And Paul says, don't you get it? He goes, there's a celebration going on. And they go, oh, Christians don't do that. He goes, where did you hear that? He says, don't let anybody judge you in regard to a festival, a new moon, or a Sabbath. Don't let anybody shoot those things down. There are certain things in Scripture that are very clearly knows, but he said, be careful that what happens is we don't start adding on to those thinking that makes us more holy. So the do not taste, do not touch, do not handle, he says is wrong. He's basically saying, eat. <laughs> I love that part. And enjoy and celebrate and grab hold. And he goes, therefore, because none of those man-made rules work, chapter 3, verse 1, Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. 
Set your mind on the things above and not on the things that are on the earth. For you have died. Now notice this. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now lock that phrase in. Hidden with Christ in God. Verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, who is our life is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, I want you to grab hold of what this means. You see, you and I are fairly complex people. And, and, and so that means there's a big part of trying to understand who we are. And I think maybe this will help. This is representation of your life and my life. And there's different aspects of it, activity aspects of it, or relational aspects of it. And, and so we have to kind of see what those are. And so, for instance, most of us have a family and, and so that's a big part of who you are. Uh, uh, hopefully you have friends. I, I hope you have those. And, and, and so that's a big part of who you are. Uh, uh, all, uh, most of us have a job. And so we have a work life. And that's a big part of who we are. Uh, um, then uh, many of us have a, a kind of a fun life, a fu fun factor built in, and you look for fun things to do, like for me, that's golf. And so what happens is we see this as different aspects of our life, and, and we have chunks of time and chunks of energy dedicated to that. Some of you have an educational aspect, and so, um, you know, that's a part of who you are, and, and so that takes a chunk of your time. And, and so what happens is, is there's more than that, but, but you kind of get the idea that this is, you know, you have all these things going on. Now, some people have God as a part of their life, but let me tell you what this is called. This is called a religious person, and, and you know, we talk all the time about differentiating between being a religious person and having a true relationship with Christ. It really isn't a religion. It's a relationship. But a religious person, what they do is they have a chunk of their place that they, 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 they kind of get spiritual sometimes. And, and, and so they kind of look to God and believe in God. And they might pray every now and then. And, and he has a part. And if you're a super religious person, he may get a bigger chunk of that. But, but, but here's the point. That's not what Paul just described. What Paul said is this. He said, when you're in Christ... Then, then you literally have him covering everything. Christ becomes our life. We become hidden in Christ. You see, what Jesus wants to do is he wants to literally overwhelm all of this part of who you are. He wants to create, just literally oversee and seep into every single area. And, and so it's not about him having a part of your life. It's having him be your life. It's having him overshadow. It's having it, you be hidden in Christ. So when people look at you and people look at me, what they see is they see Jesus shining out in a life of God that's incredible and awesome. And that's what he wants to do. Uh, uh, let me kind of help you understand that. I think this will be helpful. Uh, uh, I really do, I, I've learned for me, and this may not be what works for you, but I'm going to encourage you to decide what works for you. But every morning is my time with God. And so I get up in the morning and I grab my coffee and I grab my Bible and I have a particular chair I sit in. And, and I begin to just to talk with God and, and ask him to guide me. And I read chunks of scripture and, and I ask questions and talk with him all through it. It's a conversation time with God. And then I grab a, bio, a journal and I journal things that I feel God's moving or saying to me or I need to remember from him and write out a prayer. And then I sit and I meditate. And I do that every single day. And I love every aspect of that. I love every moment of it. Now, if I asked you, is that spiritual? I hope that you would say, yes, it is. That's a very spiritual thing to do. And Chuck, I'm glad you do that. And I want to challenge you to get a journal and do it every day this year too. But, but here's my point. Let's say that I'm sitting there and I'm doing that and the phone rings and Tim, my son, calls up and says, Dad, hey, today the office is closed. Let's go grab donuts. 
And, and I drive into Corona and we go get donuts together. Let me ask you a question. Is that spiritual? The answer is yes, it is. If I go there loving my son, caring for my son, pouring into my son, letting him love me. I mean, that's a very godly thing to experience and do. And God's there in the midst of us having that father-son intimacy. When I treat my wife correctly, that is very, very spiritual. And so, you know what? God says, that, that's, that's huge to what I want to do. And God wants to interweave into my time with Pam. God wants to interweave into my time with Tim. God wants to interweave. Now, when I go to work, I go to work here, so hopefully that's spiritual. But, you know, if I, if I went to work anywhere else, God wants to interweave in that. Uh, this last hour, uh, we experienced something at 9 o'clock that was just literally moving. Are you ready for this? We saw three people baptized into Christ who were all three one to the Lord at 24-hour fitness. Larry, who's one of the employees there, has made it his place of ministry. And he's just winning people to Christ like crazy and bringing them here and baptizing them. And isn't that awesome? And, and now here's the thing. Is that spiritual? Oh, you bet it is. And, 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 and you know what? They're loving it. As a matter of fact, they're all teaming up. And, and you don't have to, they're not just winning employees. If you go to work out there, they're going to get you. And uh, so, see, it's, it's all very spiritual. So going to 24-hour fitness is spiritual. Getting donuts is spiritual. You know, and, and, and it just becomes incredible. And, and by the way, is that what the Bible says? Well, well, listen to this. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 31. Whatever you eat and drink and whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Do you see what's going on here? God says, if you let me interweave my love, everything becomes spiritual. Everything becomes incredible. Everything becomes about Jesus. You know, even golf. Uh, it wasn't that long ago that I had a, a golf appointment set with a friend of mine. We were going to actually go to a pretty nice course and get away. And, and he called me up on the morning of it. He said, Chuck, I am so sorry. He said, I can't go. Plus, I think it's going to rain anyway. And I said, well, that's okay, you know, and so I hung up, and I looked outside, and, and yeah, it, it looked like it was going to rain, and then it even started sprinkling. And so I all right, Pam's gone, I have a free day now, and I sat down, and I said, Lord, I just don't know what to do with the day, would you just guide me in it? And two words came to my mind, Palm Springs. <laughs> don't you love the Lord? And... Uh, I, I, I was going to be at a convention in about two weeks in Palm Springs. And so I thought, huh. So I, I called up the, the Marriott down in Palm Springs. And I said, is it raining down there? And they said, no, it's not. We don't think it's going to rain all day. I said, well, is there any way I can get on the golf course? And they said, yeah, well, well, you know, we're pretty busy, but we'll put you with somebody. And so I drove out to Palm Springs, and the whole way out there, I'm having a blast. I'm listening to worship music and singing along, and, and, and I'm, I'm praying, and I'm thinking, and I'm strategizing, and, and I'm just having the greatest time in the car with God. And then I get to the, the, the Mar Marriott, and I pull over and drop my bags, and I go inside. And, and they go, hey, we've got a group that's going out pretty soon, and uh, they've got three, and we'll put you with them. And I walk over, and I meet Jack and Mark and Mark. Mark has uh, got a son named Mark, and, and what happened is really cool. As soon as I walked up, it was just like we, we just became instant friends. And Jack and Mark grew up together in Brooklyn. And they, they were lifelong friends with the commitment to never let their friendship go. And so while Mark had moved to San Francisco and Jack had stayed in Brooklyn, they on purpose kept in touch, but they also at least three times a year found a place to meet up together. And Mark now had his, old, his, his son Mark, his only child, who is now an orthopedic surgeon. 
And, and so he became a part of this too, and all the wives and everybody. And, and, and so what happened is I'm getting to know him and talk to him. And, and, and of course, I'm waiting for my moment to share Christ, you know, because I'm thinking, God, you got to have me here for a reason, and we're getting along well. And, and, and then the words start to fly, and I thought, oh, Lord, I hope I get to tell them soon, or they're going to get embarrassed. And then Jack calls me over to tell me a story that I am not going to tell you here. Uh, uh, and I'm l looking at him, and I went ahead and laughed, but I thought, oh, Jack, you're going to be so bummed about this, you know, <laughs> the whole time. And, and so I'm waiting for that moment that's got to be right. And, and then it came. The cart girl pulls up, and she was gorgeous. This gorgeous cart girl pulls up, and she said, hey, can I get you guys anything to drink? And I said, hey, I'll buy. Come on, let's go. And, and they walked over, and, and, and Jack looks at the cart girl, and he said, hey, you better treat this guy good because he's going to be out here in two weeks at a convention because I had mentioned that. And, and, and she looks at me and said, what convention? <laughs> and I said, well, it's uh, for pastors of churches of 2,000 and larger because I'm a Christian and I'm a pastor. And their eyes just dropped and <laughs> they're holding the beers I just bought them. And, uh, and, and they're looking at me and I, I, I thought, okay. And well, then she, I got to tell you this part. She looks at me and says, well, um, when I'm out here, uh, uh, when, when, I, when I come out, she goes, if I don't make church that day, uh, would you be willing to take confession for me? And I looked at her and I thought, you bet. Man, I want to hear what you're doing. So, I, so I, I'm like all excited. Yeah, whoa. And uh, so anyway, we walk away from the cart and they start laughing and, and they go, we're so sorry. We can't believe we said this. Jack goes, I can't believe I told you that joke. And I go, you know what, you guys, it's okay. I said, no big deal. I've heard the words before. It's not anything new to me. And, uh, and I said, don't worry about it. Well, well, then though, it was a God thing. The conversations go very, very spiritual. And they start asking me questions. And Mark, especially the doctor, he's, he's got a 15-month-old son. And he's really feeling torn between his practice and spending time with the son and how he can make me a better father. And, and, and they're just really listening. And, and Mark Sr. is telling about mistakes he made. And he wishes they had been in church more. And, and we're talking and talking. And I mean, it was just incredible. And, and then we get on this one hole that's a par three. And there's all this sand around. And, and, and I actually had hit the green, and the other guys are in the sand, and, and, and Mark Sr. is down way deep in the sand, and, and he hits this shot out, and it flies up onto the green, hits, and it rolls in the cup. And I go, no way, I'm cheering, it win the cup. He comes looking over the edge, he goes, it's in, it's in. Jack crawls out, and he goes, no, it's not, you didn't hit that in. They had a lot of money bet on this game. And, uh, and, and Mark goes, he's a pastor, he wouldn't lie. And he goes, it's in, it's in, right? And I said, it's in. He goes, he's a pastor, he's a pastor. And Jack's going, ah, and one of those words slipped. And, uh, and then Mark does this. Mark goes, thank God you're here. Thank God you're here, Chuck. Thank God you're here. And, and we're laughing about it. And then he stopped. And he looked at me and he said, you know what? Seriously, thank God you're here. And it was this amazing day. And I got in the car, and I said, God, I love living life with you. I love experiencing these times. I love getting, was that a spiritual day? You bet it was. And, and you know, God loves to do those times with you. That's what it means for him to interweave and do this. I mean, going to donuts is spiritual. Going golfing can be spiritual. How, how about the sending a package? Back in the 80s, Pam and I were doing youth ministry in Garden Grove, California, and the, the punk rock movement really came into its own. 
And I don't know if you remember that, but we started reaching some students who were on the extreme edge of the punk rock scene. Uh, I mean, the colored hair and the mohawks and, and the piercings, but even more, they would take safety pins and literally stick them through on their own, you know, in different places. And, and these kids are showing up to what's a very small conservative church, and, and, and so it's kind of rocking us just a little bit. Well, Terry shows up. And Terry was very extreme into this movement. The only reason she came is because some of her friends had come and, and she wasn't really interested in the faith, but she didn't want to be alone either. And we got her to go to camp. Well, I, I went to our senior citizens group and I said, hey, would you guys be willing to, to send packages to the students at camp? And, and they, they got so excited about it. So they drew names and, and Mrs. O'Connor, she, she drew uh, Terry's name. And I'll never forget, because we made a big deal back then at, at, at mail time. You know, if you got a letter, everyone cheered. But if you got a package, you know, oh, we made a big deal. And so I'm standing up there doing mail call, and I'm calling out letters, and I get to the packages, and I go, Terry, you got a package. And she literally, sitting where she was, yelled to me, no, I didn't. No one would send me a package. I said, well, Terry, you're wrong. You got a package. Come on. And she comes walking up and she takes it and she goes and starts tearing into it and opens it up and there's Rice Krispie treats and brownies and, and cookies and, and all homemade and, and she's looking at it. But in the package was a picture of Mrs. O'Connor and a letter. And I watched her. I could see her just looking at this and people are going, I want a Rice Krispie. She goes, and she's just looking and, and, and then she reads the letter and the letter's just like, Terry, I am so glad I, you drew your name. I, I want you to know I'm praying for you. I loved when camp came for me. I want this to be good for you. And then she actually shared how to make a commitment to Christ in the letter. And, and Terry walked over and she held that letter. You could see there was emotion. And she said, do you know this lady? And I said, I do. She's a sweet, sweet lady. And Terry goes, do you, look what she wrote me. And it moved her to no end. Well, it probably wouldn't even be something you would have, you, you could guess what happened is that night we gave the invitation and Terry comes forward because of what Mrs. O'Connor wrote. And she comes down crying and she comes down moved. She comes down wanting Jesus. She wants love. Man, it was a transforming moment. I'll never forget. Well, then when we get back uh, in the Garden Grove area, our church every Wednesday night had a, a, a community potluck dinner and then we would break into different studies. And, and of course, Typically what happened is we all went in and sat in our own groups, you know. Well, well, Terry comes walking into this dinner, all punked out, everything. And Mrs. O'Connor sees her and she stands up and yells, Terry. And Terry looks at her, Mrs. O'Connor. And she runs over and they're hugging and hugging. And Mrs. O'Connor goes, come on, I want you to meet some of my friends. I want them to know you made a commitment to Christ. And she starts talking to her. Well, Terry never makes it back to us. She ends up every Wednesday eating in that group. And, and then she ends up bringing her friends over. Descending a package, can it be spiritual? You bet it can. You see, that's this whole idea. When you let Jesus take over, everything becomes incredible. Everything becomes exciting. That's the idea of letting the inner weaving of God come. But, but I want to give you a caution. When we do this, we got to do it wholeheartedly. We have to do it with everything we have. Look what it says back in Colossians chapter 3. It says this. It says, because he is our life, because we're hidden in him, it goes, therefore, because of that, Verse 5, therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon you, uh, the, upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them. But now, you also put them all aside. 
anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and, be, and notice verse 10, and have put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Did you catch the put off and put on? Put off the old self. It's like this over here is the old you. And this is the chair you sat in and the life you lived. And this is the new you over here. And he says, I want you to switch seats and, and I want you to put on something. Uh, uh, I want you this darkness that's a part of you. This blackness that's within you. This anger. This abusive speech. By the way, don't miss the abusive speech words. Man, I can't tell you how many times I've watched people spiritualize abusively speaking. And, uh, you know, every one of us knows that God hates that. As a matter of fact, if you've ever been the victim of, of abuse, you know the pain it causes. And, and you know what? If it's verbal abuse, I've heard people say that that's just as painful as physical. And I, I know it is. But I want to tell you that what happens so often is, is, is when we come to Christ, we got to realize that that's the last thing we should be. No parent should be unleashing on their children uh, uh, abusive talk. And, and the, the, you know what? It, the, the thing happens, the scary thing that happens is sometimes what got you so angry, what got you so mad, you might, by being that harsh, you might stop that particular behavior. But let me promise you, you're not going to produce a spiritually sensitive child. It's not going to make your relationship what it should be. There are ways to discipline that don't have anything to do with that. And, and he says, I want you to know, I want you to put off abusive speech. I want you to put on Christ-likeness. I want you to put on love. I, I want you to put on those things that, that have more of a building aspect to it. Uh, um, I think I'm sensitive to this because in, in this past few months, I've watched people in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, be abusive. And you know what, is, is never should that be allowed. It doesn't matter if someone is in an activity we don't agree with, we still need to be kind. It doesn't matter if they have a belief system we disagree with, we still must be kind. Love should permeate all. Christ should permeate all. And, and when that doesn't happen, it's just so sad. And, uh, you know, I, I watched it recently. I, I watched it happen during the presidential, um, uh, you know, debates. And, and I watched Christians be the mean and cruel and it's like, what's going on here? When Rick Warren invited Barack Obama and John McCain to Saddleback and had what I thought was the best dialogue I've ever seen in a political spectrum. It was respectful and kind and the men were allowed to talk. But outside were all these people claiming to be Christians hurling abusive things at, at particularly Barack Obama. And, and, and you know what? I, I thought Rick Warren really nailed it when he said these words. We have got to learn to disagree without being disagreeable. We've got to learn how to speak Christ-like truth, that always is truth and kindness. We've got to understand that the, all these things are to be put away and gone, and, and this angry, attacking, abusiveness, this mean-spiritedness is equal to also what we need to put off when we agree to put off immorality and impurity and all this. And our desire is to be someone who lives differently than this. Notice what it says in, in verse 10. It says, and you've put on a new self who is being renewed, to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. A renewal in which there is no distinction between Greek and Jew and circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave and free man, but Christ is all in all. 
He, he notice that it says, we, our life is Christ. We're hidden in Christ. Christ is all in all. He's everything about who we are. And we need to put on the, the Christ-likeness and the love and the care and put off the dark side and, and, and the, of us that should never be a part of us. Now, how does that work out? Look in verse 12. So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, forgiving each other, whoever has complained against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so you should also. By the way, I, I not too long ago, I got a hold of a study. It was on what was called the happiness quotient. And uh, you know what's interesting? The one thing that they found, this is not even a Christian study, it was a group of psychologists. The one thing they found in every single person who scored high in the happiness quotient was a high, high value of forgiveness. High, you know, when, when we aren't forgiving people, when you go, well, you know, I'm holding on to a grudge. Well, it's never a little thing. That's always a big deal. And God says, just don't do it. Be different. Put aside having a grudge. Put aside anger. Put aside bitterness. None of that leads into the happy side uh, and the joyous side and the victorious side and the enthusiastic side. It doesn't allow Christ to be all in all. When you start reserving this area and say, well, I'm going to just hang on to it here, it, it pollutes, it wrecks the whole thing. When you say, well, you know what, I, I'm going to still sit in this chair. I've got Christ, but I'm going to stay here. I, I, I'm going to be here. And, and it really isn't going to be that bad because if I can I sit in this chair, the old self, and still be a Christian, the answer to that, by the way, is yes, you can. God's still going to love you. He's still going to care about you. You're just going to be missing out on what it's like to live over there. And you're not going to understand that when you're here, what happens is it, is, it ends up causing people more than ever to say, what's going on? That's why People who aren't Christians very often look at us and say, but I thought you were a Christian when we are mean. I thought you were a Christian when we lie. I thought you were, and you know what? They're right to ask that question because when we get here and we're wearing what Jesus has for us, more than ever, it shows. It shows us that, that we somehow don't have everything he wants. It kind of begins to pollute and wreck this Christ-like lifestyle that he wants us to have. See, if I sat in that chair with the black shirt, you probably couldn't see this. But isn't it true? When someone's not a believer in following Christ and they'll do those things, we go, oh, well, that was wrong. But when a Christian does it, when a Christian does it, don't you agree and go, wait a minute, that's, that's not okay. And we go, wait a minute, Jesus died to make us clean. Jesus wants us to be new. Jesus wants us to be kind and loving and caring and forgiving and, and when we live that way, and it feeds into everything we have, it changes everything. I was standing talking with a woman who was Islamic. Uh, we were watching the kids play, and, and she knew I was a Christian. And uh, I've been looking for an opportunity to share Christ with her. And we're standing there talking, and finally I said to her, so how long have you been married? And she told me, and it was kind of an interesting story. And, and then I said, well, where are you from? And boy, she just stood there, and I said, well, what's wrong? And she goes, um, I'm from Libya. And I said, oh, really, how long have you been? And she goes, well, wait, wait, wait. She goes, I thought you being a Christian, if you knew I was from Libya, I thought you'd hate me. And I stood there, I thought, what? When did the word Christian and hate ever get locked together? 
what has gone on in this world? How has the love and the life of Christ been so hijacked that people go, well, because we do something you disagree with, then the response that we've seen from Christians is hate. When, when did that ever happen? And I looked at her and I thought, what has happened to you? What have people done to you? And I said, I don't hate you. I said, no one who's in love with Christ hates you. That's the last thing. And I said, I am so, so sorry. And, and later I saw her husband and I got a chance to tell him. I said, if people have ever treated you abusively or wrongly or unkindly and they call themselves Christians, I want you to know they're not. It's just not who we are. It's not what we do. And he got emotional hearing that because we live in a world today where we've lost sight of what this means. You see, people who go, oh, God's a part of my life, they can be mean and cruel. And, but, but people who are covered in Christ, when what happens to us, the Holy Spirit grieves inside and we sense it. And, and, and it starts to say to us, don't be this way. God's great desire is for you to live a life that's incredible and awesome and amazing. And so I hope you would say this, you know, it's not, and by the way, let me say as clearly as I can. I'm not talking perfection. Uh, while we want to aim at perfection, I, I don't know anybody here who's attained it. And when, when you finally have, then we'll really be excited for you. But, uh, uh, but I don't think I'm going to, uh, well, who knows. But anyway, uh, <laughs> yeah, my mom knows and my wife knows. Uh, anyway, anyway uh, but, but you know what? The truth of the matter is, is we're not talking perfection. And when we get in our next series, I'm going to really point out how clearly that is. We're talking about a life. We're talking about living with God. We're talking about the interweaving of God going through here. We're talking about love and joy in a, in, in a life that matters, a life of significance, a life that's, that, that has victory to it, a life that, that brims over uh, with the life of Christ. And, and so you know what we need to do? We need to make sure we're living that life. And, and we don't want to in any way hang on to any of those things. Jesus said, change seats completely. Put that off. Don't let that be who you are. So here's the question I want to ask. Are you living a life where Jesus is your life? Are you living a life where Christ is all in all? And if you're not, then you're missing out on what it means to live, to celebrate, to rejoice, to, to have the marriage and the, or the family or the life or the, the, the friends or, or, or whatever God has, to have all that God has in store for you. Because God looks at you and he says this to you, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. God has plans for you. Plans of good and not of evil. God says, I want to interweave great things into your life and I want you to be excited about it. And, and, and if tonight or if today that isn't who you are, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to say yes to him. The very next verse in Jeremiah 29, 11 says, then you will call upon me and I will answer you and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. So I wanna ask you today, if you aren't in this intimate life with God, would you be willing to do something very, very important? Would you be willing to pray a prayer and say to God, I'm gonna call upon you. I'm gonna say yes to living with you and for you. I want to commit myself to you, and I don't want to hold back. I want to have it be all you, and I need your help. And by the way, in a moment, we're going to go to a time of prayer, and I'm going to lead that very prayer. I'm going to stop, and I'm going to invite you to pray that prayer with me and to whisper the words right where you're sitting to God. Now today, some of you need to do that for the very first time. There's another group of people here, though, that right now, 
there was a point in your life where you were in love with God and you were experiencing this, but something happened and this isn't, what, this isn't your life anymore. Well, let me tell you, God wants you back. He wants you back and he wants you living and he wants it to be you. So today, if, if that's you, if you've drifted away, I'm going to invite you also to pray that prayer, to say those words to God. Let's pray. Father, we praise you and thank you that, that you have you have plans for each one of us. You have a life for each one of us. You have experiences you want us to, to just relish in. You have victories you want us to attain. You have love you want us to share. You want us to live. And Lord, I pray that this church family is living with you. We're living for you. And we're experiencing you, Lord, in little ways and big ways. And we're seeing everything as spiritual and everything with you. And I pray today that you'd help us to grow in that. And I pray right now for anybody here, Lord, who doesn't know you. I ask for your Holy Spirit to come. I ask for your Holy Spirit to touch. And I pray that as some men and women, some guys and girls are sitting here, that you're stirring inside them, and they know that this is their time to say yes to you, and they're ready to pray this prayer. And I pray for the people that need to come back. People, Lord, that you love and you know there's so much more for them in their life. And they need to recommit. So I ask now that your Holy Spirit really move in this room, really come upon all of us, but especially those who need to make a decision. And I pray that eternity is about to change for some as they whisper words that have meaning to you. I'm gonna ask that we keep praying. And if you're right with God, would you pray for anybody who needs to make this decision? But right now, if you need to either commit your life to Christ for the first time or recommit, I'm going to ask you to pray that prayer with me. And if you'll pray that prayer with me, I'm going to ask you to let me know you're going to do it by lifting your hand in the air, looking at me, and then you can put it down. Is God calling anybody today, and this is your time, and you're going to say yes to him? Praise God for you. That is so awesome. Praise the Lord. And praise God for you up here. And right over here, way, way, way up there, praise God for you. Wow. Praise God for you too. Wow, praise the Lord. And over here, praise God for you. Let me take a second, way up there, all in that section, each one of you, praise the Lord for you. Wow. Let me take just a second more. It helps me to know who's being moved, who's being touched. If I haven't seen you yet, just lift your hand where I can see you. Praise the Lord, wow. Okay, all of you that God's touching, let's just whisper these words together. Say this prayer, say this. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me and I know you died on the cross to forgive me of my sins to heal me of my hurts to make me new to make me alive and to make me yours and I say yes I want this and I want you so I open my heart to you please fill me with your love Fill me with your spirit and help me be who you have always created me to be and help me live the life you have for me to live. And this I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Wow, praise God for all of you who prayed that prayer. Praise the Lord.